Will you guys tell everybody where you're from? Do you guys say you're from Fresno? We have to. Because okay. nobody but Reedley is or Orange Cove or Orosi, Dinuba. <laughs> Don't make it on the map. Um, so you have to say Fresno or the Central Valley. <laughs> Fresno. That's so we all come from roughly the same area around Reedley, uh, Reedley the city of Reedley slash Orange Cove. What about, what were we talking about, 40,000 people when we were growing up there? Yeah, it's grown since. Let's, let's just start this way. What was it like growing up in a small town? Well, growing up in a small town, we didn't have a high school, so we actually had to travel to the next town to go to the high school. And that's how we ended up in Reedley. At least me and Fabian, I think you and Aurel are from Reedley. So. Yeah. And that's yep. how we met you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Having to take the bus every day. Yeah. Uh, Fabian, what was it like for you growing up in a small town? I always liked it because, you know, like Margaret probably could attest the same thing. You know where everybody lives. <laughs> you know everybody. You know everybody's family. Somehow everybody's either related or they're friends of somebody that's related. So you, you that community thing was really cool to have. You could go play around the block and, like, know the whole neighborhood, all the neighborhood kids and do whatever, uh, play football baseball tag whatever it was at the time right you know so i always loved it um before that i actually lived in east of Rosie and i lived in the orchards where i had no uh, neighbor or anything so it was just me and my brother so to live in uh orange cove was really cool to actually have all those friends and get to see them after school um i don't know i mean you know me i was really shy introvert <laughs> introvert in high school so i didn't really I didn't really mind the small town uh, setting, uh, but now, I mean, now I live in Fresno now, but I mean, it's not as big as like, you know, New York or anything like that, but um, sometimes I miss a little the small town setting because uh, I, I hate traffic. I really hate traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Let's kick off this little session with uh, telling everybody about yourselves. Okay, well, my name is Margaret Margarita. I am uh, joined the Army right out of high school. Stay in the Army. I've been doing it 20, 20 years this April. Did uh, active duty time and now I'm a reservist and I love it. 20 yeah. years. Like, 20 years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Can you? No. <laughs> I could, yeah. Dang. Oh, actually, you're one of the first people I did a one on one interview but for those that haven't listened can you just give everybody a quick bio um yeah i, I joined the navy uh and i stayed there for six years only um i kind of wish i did 20 <laughs> uh, but get the rate i was in um i guess it wasn't for me uh and i <laughs> i also got seasick a lot <laughs> which was pretty bad so it's another big reason why I didn't uh, stay in too long. But yeah, I did for six years and I was a fire controlman uh, doing radar on a destroyer. I'm Sergeant Morales. Uh, I joined the U.S. Navy. Uh, I spent eight years with the Navy, but not she's not in the Navy. I spent almost all my time with the United States Marine Corps as a Navy corpsman. Uh, three tours under, of Iraq under my belt. Uh, starting from 2002 all the way to 2010. Um, so, yeah, I have a background in a lot of medicine. Uh, it took me to my career where I'm at you know, now as a firefighter paramedic. 
So I'm just going to start with this. Uh, when did you guys start consider joining the military? You know what? I knew early on, um, I want to say maybe even fifth grade, sixth grade. Whoa. Yeah. And it was just weird. Like I, I just knew, right. I just knew that I was either to do law enforcement or I was going to join the military. It, it was just something just told me. And, uh, yeah, once, uh, once the time came, I was like, I just, I went without my parents, you know, even knowing as soon as I turned 18, I just went, I signed up and there you go. And I was still in high school. I was doing the OSIT program where you're still in high school and also serving. Yeah. And I just came home and I'm like, Hey, guess what? I joined the military and I didn't do it for, you know, the going to college. I just did it just to, just to prove to myself that I was able to do it. And 20 years later, here I am. And you're still doing it. <laughs> doing it so yeah i something just told me when i was a kid i guess <laughs> so like then just to go back to my previous sense you know personalize it more like i hated living in a small town i i didn't i didn't enjoy it um and i was talking with margarita previously before this like i was taking like stupid art classes in high school and and mm-hmm. doing all this stuff that wasn't gonna get me and i was learning like zero skills and i was and i was finished with school i the thought of going to college like i didn't enjoy it so like the military route was the only route for me and and so i start i seriously considered joining the military my junior year in high school uh aj when did you start consider joining um i didn't really wasn't considering at all going in the military until i think my junior year when i went to rotc um and then that's when i started learning more about the military and more about the, the Navy side. And then, um, and I didn't really know what to do after high school. I was kind of like, what do I do? I'm like, I, I'm not ready to go to college or um, like go back to school, you know? I mean, we're like seniors and we just want to just, you know, go see the world. So I, I, I decided just to join um um and yeah there my recruiter um what's his name was it the same recruiter that you that picked you yeah uh, rico rico yeah yeah he, uh, he convinced me to go um and so that's how that's how i that's how i um went to the navy and how about you fabian uh, you know, as a kid, I always wanted to be in the military. My aunt was a Air National Guard, and you know, I always thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Uh, and you know, I always kind of had it in my mind. I wanted to be either be a cop, firefighter, or something in public safety. I knew that. Uh, September 11th was the driving force for me, and I'm sure all of us can attest to that. We were all there in high school on September 11th, and the day after is when I really talked to the Navy recruiter. My, push to actually get it done sign the paperwork i knew that the day after september 11th i joined the navy um that was actually uh my next question um obviously september 11th happened while we were in high school uh the year prior to graduating um did the events of the of 9 11 affect your decision in any way well i i was already in the military when i been. So I was, I was still in high school, but I, I had already, I think I was maybe a few months in. So 
yeah. So when 9-11 happened, I was just like, okay, well, what's next, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, it didn't influence it, but I think it just reinforced it. Same. I think it, um, I think I was already set. I think yeah. I was I had my mindset going in there anyway. So um, when that happened, I was kind of like, oh, well, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go in anyway. So, uh, or whatever they set me to do, I'll, I'll do. Did the fact that 9/11 happened time zones away in New York, did it feel like more distant, like farther away from you, or was did or did it matter at all? Um, yeah. I don't think it directly impacted me because I was still very young, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't think that I thought about it in, you know, in a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. But um, when 9-11 happened, I was on my way to, because to, I was taking a college class in the mornings right before we started our high school, like our first period in high school. So I got to class and the teacher was late. And so all the students were waiting outside of the room. So she finally gets there and she was uh, Middle Eastern. Mm. So she opened the door and she turns on the, the, you know, the news. And as soon as she got there, I can already see that she was a little agitated, you know, a little nervous. And uh, so we turned on the, the news when we got into the classroom and she broke down. She broke down. And I think at that point it clicked because the reason she broke down, she was just worried about her family mm-hmm. and how it was going to impact her. And, you know, because she's of Middle Eastern descent, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think that's when it clicked, like, holy crap, this is real, you know, and it's impacting a lot of people. And just to see her, you know, just uh, that upset, it was, it's uh, it was a little eye-opening. And I, I, I ask it that way because, like, my, my naval career, I've, I've been fighting the war through a computer screen. And so, like, kind of, like, I get the impact of 9-11. I remember seeing, like, the buildings fall on the news channels and everything. And it was, it was devastating. It was super sad. But at the same time, it was distant for me. So, like, it didn't really affect my decision on, like, as far as, like, not wanting to do it anymore. Like I still wanted to do it. I still wanted to go out there. I still wanted to serve my country. And that's, that's the only reason I'm asking if the seeing it through the television screen being like thousands of miles away, was it, did it help you or deter you from joining the military? And obviously it didn't, but I was just wondering what you were thinking at that time. I mean, I think for like the first hour or two, especially when everything was so like raw, like no answers. Yeah. I think everybody in the United States was like in fear of their life for it a little bit. Yeah. There are airlines everywhere. Like everybody there's planes in the air, planes coming towards this city, planes going to that city. So I mean the the unknown of what was going on was still like uh nervous, nerve wracking, anxious, whatever you want to call it. And to this day, when I tell my students when I teach, you know, it was the most quietest day that I can remember ever. Like the whole city, the town, everything was quiet. Every yeah. class. It was the eeriest thing to talk to, uh, to remember or to be part of. Um, you know, I, I still remember Fresno being the number one uh, blood bank recipient. They were the, the most donors for the United States after September left. They, you know, that was kind of cool to see that, you know, the Valley came together and did that. 
you know. So I mean, I, I, to me, it's like both. You know, yeah, yeah it's personally impacted, but yeah, it's a distance. But you know, it did come to come to home because there was still that unknown, a lot of unknown at the time. Very true. Yeah. Let's bring it back a little bit. Back to um, you know, we're we're all thinking about joining the military. We're all minorities. Uh, we come from. I, I think we all come from traditional uh mexican families aj you come you're you're filipino obviously so so when you decide i know well let me ask you this first is there a history of military service in your families uh my dad but he not in the u.s military he was uh in the mexican army uh when he was in when he was younger uh my dad was in the air force for 10 years um right and i I don't know about other family members, but I, and my dad was. Yeah. Uh, my aunt was was the, probably my closest relative, and then my grandmother had um, brothers in Vietnam and Desert Storm, and then my <laughs> my dad's mom, her brother was in Pancho Villa's army. I don't know if that counts. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a little bit there. <laughs> and uh, I and uh, I asked that because, like, as you know, me me and Margarita were talking for a while, and like being from like a traditional Mexican family, uh, um, you know, we grew up, our parents were just working, constantly working all the time, trying to provide for us. When you guys, when you guys told your family, your parents that you were joining the military, how, how did they take it? Um, my mom, she was scared, <laughs> you know, nervous, like her daughter's leaving and, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, my dad, he was fine with it. Um, but it was always hard to tell or to explain to my parents, like what, what it is that I do, you know, that it was always that, that little barrier there that it was really hard for them to understand kind of what I do in the military and things like that. So, yeah, it was a little different. <laughs> uh, how about you, AJ? How did your family take it? Oh, my mom and dad, I think they forbade me to go. <laughs> they don't want me to go. And I was I was surprised because my dad was in the military and I thought he would support me. Yeah. But he was the most um most against it. My mom didn't want me to go, but my dad was like, No, you can't go. Um because I th- I think he told me that uh, he well he said he experienced a lot of racism yeah. when he was going in. And I and um I think he didn't want me to go through that. Um, and, and, well, I mean, when I went in, um, it wasn't as bad as, uh, <laughs> yeah. it was when he went through, but yeah, they, they were really against it. Oh man, it was, <laughs> it was not good. My oh. parents, my father went full on bawling, you know, guilt tripped me. My dad went silent. My mom started calling my grandma. My grandma started calling the phone and then they were threatening the recruiter while he was at the house. So it was, it was you know, the typical <laughs> Hispanic thing. <laughs> normal reaction it was it went well <laughs> <laughs> oh, shout out to my mom because like i said there's like zero military service history in my family like nothing and uh you know my mom didn't want me to join but i was 17 when i stepped in and i was 17 when i went to boot camp so i went in on waiver so as much as my mom didn't want me to go she signed the paperwork to let me go so like shout out to to my mom <laughs> <laughs> what made you choose the branch you enlisted in uh well i had a couple of different options but um 
I think when they, I'm chemical, so when they offered it to me, and I was like, oh, my favorite uh, subject in, in high school was science. So I was like, what? What's this chemical? What do you do? You know, <laughs> they kind of started. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I think I want to do that. <laughs> That's how I ended up, you know, with uh, being a chemical, being a chemical. How many recruiters did you see? I believe it was two or three. Yeah. Did you reach out to them or did they come to you or? Uh, they reached, two of them reached out to me once we took the ASVAB in high school, okay. you know, they're like, oh, okay. So then they started coming. Actually, two of them went and like had dinner at my house. My mom made dinner. <laughs> they came and they ate and they, you know, they talked to me and then, <laughs> um, and then I ended up going up uh, with another recruiter and that's who finally, uh, you know, took me to MAPS and did the whole re-enlistment or enlistment. I, I chose Navy for money. They offered me the most money. Uh, I think I was already influenced by being in NJ, yeah, ROTC, and then of course a recruiter. He uh, he convinced me, <laughs> um, saying that you know we Navy gets the most money and that uh, they travel more, they get to see more locations. Um, I thought about the Air Force, but um, he was saying like you know they don't travel as much. You're always stationed like. Uh, on a base for years and not doing anything and then um i don't know anything about army or uh, marines uh so i just gravitated towards what i knew more so maybe that's why i went i was um i was pretty dead set on joining the military and joining the navy at this time so like i think we all all us three navy guys had the same recruiter Okay, and like um, Rico, our recruiter was—he was doing his spiel about like all the girls you'll hook up with overseas, but like that none of that shit meant anything to me. Like I was ready to go. Like you could have told me like you sit in a you sit in a gym and hand out basketballs all day, and I was I was still going. So like like he tried too hard with me. Like he had me from the beginning. Uh, how about you, Fabian? What made you choose? I was actually supposed to go to Marine Corps. Yep, my my dad said center. I was at a Jugo Marine Corps. All intentions was it to be infantry. And then Chief Aruda said, hey, man, what you got to do that? You don't want to do that, man. You want to be maybe a corpsman. You would be a Marine. You'd be a corpsman. You'd be medical. Was, All right. Yeah. I, you know what? That's, well, that's right. Chief. Sounds like a good idea, Chief. So that's exactly what I did. So I owe my Navy career to Chief Aruda. And you know what? He was absolutely right. Absolutely right. Awesome. Isn't he the principal at Ridley High now? You tell me. I think he's recognizing now. He's still recognizing me. I still pass him in the hallways when I go teach him once in a while. We'll still talk because his kid was um, in one of my sister units, so it was actually really cool. That is cool. Um, reunion happening on October. Yeah, <laughs> I think it'd be pretty cool if we met up and then had lunch with them. Mark Margaret was suggesting that. Oh, oh. Sure. definitely. <laughs> And yeah, yeah, bring everybody back. And I was telling him we should bring Jesse back. Oh, <laughs> oh Jesse. So, what were some of your preconceptions about joining the military? Like, were you influenced by media? Like, were did, were you hearing stories about other people? What were what they were telling you? Uh, I thought it was Hua because <laughs> <laughs> remember back in our days and. Uh, uh, when they had the cool commercials with the, you know, with the 
badass uh, rock music, you know? Was <laughs> People it, like off airplanes. <laughs> was the Army strong back then or Army of One or what was it back then? Army, Army, yeah, but what they had the videos and like, you know, the, the cool music. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was cool. <laughs> so your preconceptions were from the television commercials. Yeah, television. <laughs> It worked. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just from um, hearing from others like Aruda and um, what was the other one? Master Chief. Uh, what's the last name? Is it Atwood? Atwood? Oh, that's right. Atwood. Um, and of course, Rico. So I was just going off their experiences. I don't think I saw any Navy commercials. Or That's because Army has ones. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, I don't think any, like, commercials kind of made me go. It was more of, like, the experience from uh, hearing the experience from others. Um, do you remember the Navy Aegis commercial where where the radar, like, shoots in and the, it picks up the fly oh, on somebody's yeah, shoulder? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's not true at all. <laughs> Wasn't that your job, though? Didn't you end yeah, up that in Aegis? Yeah, that's, that's not true at all. How weird is that, though, like? They lied. That, that's not what happened. No. No. <laughs> I'm like, that's not true. Detect <laughs> fly. <laughs> uh, what were some of your preconceptions, Fabian? I don't think I really had any. I mean, I, whatever I got was either from my hand or from uh, Major Brinkman, Chief Aruda, or Master Chief Atwood. Atwood. You know, whatever I, stories they would tell me and let me know. You know, that's where I got a lot of my insight from and it didn't really deter me in any way. Same. Yeah. Same. Like I'm, I was ready to go. I didn't care. You know, like whatever challenges awaited me, I'd, I'd hit them head on and we'll take it from there. Um, me, me and you Adam, right? We left what three weeks right after graduation. Yeah. We, we, we rolled out. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get into that in a, in a, in a quick second. But uh, so like now we're graduating high school. We're taking this trip. We're taking this trip into the beginning of our, our military lives. When did it first hit you that your life has changed now? <laughs> the cattle truck. <laughs> <laughs> cattle truck with all your battle buddies. And you jump out and it's drill sergeants <laughs> get on you. And then like, holy shit, I think I cried. <laughs> I was like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> yeah. Uh, where did you go to basic? I went to um, Fort, Len Fort Leonardwood. Where is that yeah. at? Fort Leonardwood, Missouri. AJ, when did it hit you that, like, you're in it now? Oh, um, I think, oh, right when I got off the bus. Like, when they started <laughs> yelling at me. And then, and then, I don't know, when they... They sat you in the chair and they just shaved their head off and your hair off. I'm like, whoa, man, this is crazy. And um, I was kind of, I was scared because I'm like, I don't know what's happening next. There's people yelling at me and like, I didn't know where to go. I was afraid to like, even, I mean, afraid to look at someone weird. <laughs> so I was like, what did I signed up for? Uh, Fabian, I feel like we went in under the buddy program but yeah. 
that was a made-up thing, but we just <laughs> by chance happened to end up in the same boot camp division. Yeah, it's pretty fortunate. It actually helped out a lot. Before we get into some boot camp stuff, uh, when did it hit you that now now your life is this is your life now? Well, you maybe you remember it differently, Adam, but when we got to boot camp, it wasn't like how Margaret or maybe RL had it. I remember our guys were late. We had to sit on the floor for like an hour. No, it was longer than that. Hours. It was like three in the morning. They had no idea that we were there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just did our little basic, got our basic uh, clothes and stuff. And then we just sat on the floor for a couple hours. Um, boot camp itself wasn't like, yeah, I, I didn't get that feeling. When I really got that feeling like, oh, smack, I'm, I'm in this. It was when at my first duty station and uh, OIF-1 was kicking off in March. And everybody in the hospital is getting deployed. And they're, hey, you're on the emergency list. If you get, we need people to fill in, you're going. And it's like, oh, sh- yeah, this is real now. <laughs> There's no more, make- this is not TV anymore. This is legit real. <laughs> so my first duty station. That's oh, wow. Real. That late into the game then? Like you guys knew me in high school. I was, I was pretty, not as introverted as AJ, but I was pretty, I kept to myself a lot too. And so like, yeah, is the bus ride, the getting off the bus ride was was when it hit me. Yeah, sleeping in the hallway until like three in the morning, and then we finally got a, a barracks, and we we probably laid down for like an hour and a half before <laughs> boot camp started. Um, did you guys get any advice prior to going to boot camp? No, I don't think I did. Yeah. Well, what, was, I... what was your mindset then? Like, how how were you going to attack this? I think I was just going to go and see what it was like. I don't think I had um, any insight because I didn't know anybody who was in boot camp. I think the one who was in boot camp uh, that graduated with us was Jesse. So um, I think maybe he's the only one that maybe gave me some, you know, uh, maybe talked to me a little bit about it, but that was it. But I didn't really know, you know, what to expect or what I was really getting into. Were you physically prepared for boot camp? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, yeah, I got in shape once I got there, but yeah, I wasn't really training or anything like that. Just like, I guess whatever we were doing at ROTC. Uh, what about you, AJ? What was your, your boot camp experience like? Did you get any v- advice prior to going? Um, I don't think anyone, yeah, I don't think anyone gave me advice. I think I got advice like while I was in, like you know, <laughs> coming up. Um, I I think someone told me like, I think maybe in the hotel before I went to boot camp. I think they told me. Um, I think it was just a bunch of mind games. You just have to, uh, just do what they say. Just focus on. Uh, it's it, it. I think someone told me it's not physically hard to go through boot camp. It's just more like a mental game. And just to think it like that. So that's that's how I went, got through it. But physically, I mean, I don't think it was physically hard. Um, they actually didn't. Uh, I, I actually only did like 10 push-ups the whole time. What the fuck? Yeah, because <laughs> I listened to whatever they said. I, only, I, I messed up once and they made me do 10 push-ups. Oh, outside of the normal physical. Yeah, outside of normal. Okay, <laughs> I was gonna say, I was like, you only did ten. <laughs> no, no, I mean they made us do stuff, but like, yeah, I only messed up once. I remember 
I don't know why. I think because I was doing so good, they just made me do push-ups. <laughs> My neighbor, he was a Vietnam vet draftee, and you know, times were different back then when he was in. But he told me two things. He said, uh, "When you're in basic, he's like, do exactly what you're, um, do exactly what you're told. No more, no less. Just do exactly what you're told." And number two was, uh, take care of your feet. But you know, he was a Vietnam vet, and so like toes and shit were falling off in the army in those days. So, uh, how about you, Fabian? Uh, did you get any advice prior to going to boot camp? And uh, what was your boot camp experience like? Uh, just Chief Aruna, Chief uh, Master Chief uh, uh, Atwood just told me to learn general orders and then learn the Navy um, right song. He's like, those should take you a long way if you know those right off the bat. And they really did. They helped out a lot. Oh, definitely, yeah. And yeah, I'm glad we had NJROTC because that really like made, made it a little bit more comfortable to be at boot camp. You you remember RL? Did you have boots when you went to boot camp? Like, were you wearing boots? No, it wasn't even boot camp. Like they gave me, they gave us tennis shoes. We only got, yeah, we only got boots like the last two weeks, last two three weeks. Yeah, and we same here. We we were wearing tennis shoes the whole time, which was really kind of weird. So, um, yeah, yeah, boot camp was good. We, me and Adam, me and Adam's uh, group, we, for the most part, we didn't get in trouble. We, I think we only got extra training like twice, one times maybe. I remember, I, the, the one time I, I got in trouble once was, uh, it was like a, a Sunday holiday routine, and I was doing the trick where, you go under your rack, you put your head on one boot, you wrap your your torn up T-shirt, put the shoe polish on. And then you put it on your chest and then you fall asleep like that. So when you hear somebody walking by, you just lift your head and you start polishing. <laughs> and uh, my, my RDC, he caught me and he, you know, he kicks my foot. I said, fuck. And so I rolled out of my rack. He starts, he starts with the eight counts begin. <laughs> so I started doing my eight counts and he's like, uh, well, if you, if you got time to, uh, to sleep, you're, um, your locker must be pretty squared away. He's like, let's go find out. And so he walks around my rack to my locker and everything was fucking perfect. And he's like, all right, you can stop. And he just walks out. <laughs> Which one was it? We had a, it was the, uh, the white guy with glasses. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah. I want to say like it was Cheney or something like that. I think that's, that sounds about right. Let's just get past all the boot camp stuff and like you're finally ready. Well, talk about um getting activated and like what kind of feelings were you going through when at that point in, in regards to like deployments, the Iraq war was going on. We had all this situation going on. Yeah, so like I was telling Adam earlier, I was in boot camp um when my commander my commander, which he is now, I gotta, I gotta brag about him now. Um, uh, major general. Yeah. I've, and I'm like so happy for him, but yeah, he was, <laughs> he was a Lieutenant at that time. And he oh, called wow. me, he said, um, he said, Hey, you know, our unit is being activated. I know you're still at boot camp. What are your plans? You know, are you going to college? What, you know, what are your plans for, 
after basic training. And I was like, you know what? I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. Uh, you know, I, I knew I was going to go to college. I just didn't know what I was going to do yet. And he's like, well, think about it. And, um, you know, if you want to come on board with us, we'll be happy to have you, you know, we'll cut you your orders. And, um, so yeah, so I thought about it and called him back and I said, you know what, sir? Um, you know, I'll, I'll, once I come, you know, I'm done with boot camp. I'll come join, come join you, bring me on active duty. Yeah. So he said, okay, that's fine. He's like, I don't know where we're going. I don't know where we're do- what we're doing, but we're, we're being activated. And so, yeah, I, so I just, I knew that when I got out of basic training, I would have orders. And so yeah. I just where, so that was just a little, a little bit of hesitation, but you know, what can you do? You're already in, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I like to ask like this, like you're, you're in boot camp, you're going through whatever type of training for your job post boot camp. Uh, maybe some of your, um, your e- you have some E5s, E6s who who've been out in the doing the army stuff, coming back. Maybe there's some uh, like retreads or I don't know what they're called in the army. Sorry, they're talking about army life, like the real army life deployed and stuff like that. What what were you hearing? Were the, was there anything you were looking forward to? Was there anything that you're hesitant about when you're hearing about what the real army was like, quote unquote? Um, I don't think so. I mean, we did have some retrainees and, uh, they didn't really share too much. Um, yeah, it's just whatever I saw on base, you know, cause we did have active duty on base, uh, you know, soldiers living out of the barracks. So I, I was, that's what I was expecting, you know, as coming out as a PFC, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'll probably be in a barrack somewhere, you yeah. know, I, have a car then so you know when I first when I first went to my duty station I didn't own a vehicle you know I bought my first vehicle there so it's like you're you're just really brand new you know getting settled in I just didn't really know where I was going until I got there um AJ like we had a similar trajectory at the very beginning uh we went to school for what a year year and a half maybe um at this time you're also all your instructors were fleet guys maybe there's a couple of uh guys from the what do they call fleet returnees talking about the real navy deployments being out on the ship what kinds of things were you hearing and were you looking forward to getting out to the real navy um well actually i actually didn't get out to the real i guess real navy oh yeah that's right the last, the last two years of my six-year enlistment because I, after boot camp, I went to school for like a year and a half, and then I went to a pre-com ship, so a brand new ship. <laughs> and so that ship was still in, in dock, <laughs> and it was brand new. So I was on there for another year, year and a half, um, and it didn't go out to sea. <laughs> so, and it only started going out to sea the last the last two years, and I, I was in. Um, but I finally went on a deployment, and. Um, yeah, the guys there that were there um, pre-coming the ship, they're just telling me about like, oh yeah, wait to get out to sea. It's not gonna be like this. <laughs> it's gonna, um, it's not. It's not always like, or on land. I mean, it's di- a different. Sea life is way different. Than, um, were you looking forward to it? Is like you're like, man, I've been doing this for so long. Like, I just want to get out there. 
Uh, part of me did, uh, but a part of me was like comfortable <laughs> being on land. Because uh, I mean, it was, like four years, I was just just in school or just in um, doing stuff on base. Um, but a part of me was kind of excited to go out because I'm like, oh, I, I finally get to travel, I get to see stuff. Um, and see stuff that what other people were talking about, like, oh, and I finally got to go to the Middle East and the Europe and all that. So that was fun. Now, Fabian, before we get to you, uh, the Navy, there's like 17 different navies. There's small boy Navy. There's <laughs> big aircraft Navy. There's Seabees. There's... Yeah. And then, um, like you said earlier, you you signed up to be a corpsman and you went FMS, right? Mm -hmm. So like, that's another Navy. Like, I don't even, were you ever on a boat? No. And, you know, it's one of those things I, I wish I could have done at least once. Okay. I was going to uh, ask about that, but I want to get back to, uh, um, sure. you're going through, you're going through your hospital corpsman training. Once again, I know you previously stated that, you know, they're just sending people out there to Iraq. They're just signing up people and sending them out to Iraq. What kinds of things were you hearing about? Uh, knowing you now, like, I feel like you're kind of excited to get out there and to be part of this brotherhood and to help your, your fellow Navy and Marines. Like, what types, what types of things were you hearing about and uh, were you looking forward to getting out there? You know, well, I mean, for all of us, I don't think anybody in the military at the time, maybe a handful of people were in Desert Storm or maybe a couple of your guys maybe had talked about Desert Storm. So there was very small, like, what to expect. Okay. Um, I only had, yeah, I had like two guys in uh, my A school and I had nobody at the hospital who had been to any type of conflict. Well, I like, one guy was in Kosovo and he was telling me his story and he was, he had like, they, it was legit. They were uh, taking a lot of fire in, uh, in it. So, I mean, I, honestly, I had no idea what to expect. But, you know, when the uh, master chief comes up, hey, he's like, where's the uh, hospital apprentice Morales and, like, in the ER when I was working? Say, hey, you're on a 24-hour notice that so you might be deployed to FMF or fleet hospital. It's like, holy smokes. This is like, uh, I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> because we're bypassing people from FMF. So when you go FMF, you have to go through, like, the mini um, – Marine Corps boot camp, and then like a, and then just more of like a trauma-based uh, medical side to learn how to deal with combat injuries. They needed people so bad that they were just bypassing. You're going to send directly to the front lines. Oh wow! You know, so we're just like, well, wait, man, I'm, I don't know if I'm ready. We we got some of this, but we didn't really get too in depth. So like like I said earlier, this hit me hard. Like holy smoke, this is real, real. And um, yeah, I mean, I was chomping at the bit to go. I volunteered every time I went. Yeah, I wanted to go and wanted to go. And of course, anything you want, you never got. <laughs> yeah, the guys who didn't want to go are the ones somehow that would end up going over there. You know, um, so it took me about a year and a half later to finally get out there. Okay. Yeah. So, can you just quickly explain explain to everybody that that's listening the difference between FMF and IDC? Yeah, yeah. Um, so FMF is your just your your basic. Uh, corpsman or medic is depending on what branch you call them. Um, they're the guys attached to a unit. So they're, they're the medical providers. They're the extension of the doctors that provide the care per state. Uh, IDCs are the equivalent to a physician assistant. 
So they're a Navy corpsman trained in the equivalency of a physician assistant. So they could authorize medications. They could do a diagnosis. They could give, uh, they could do minor surgeries, depending on what, what, uh, duty station, like if they're on a ship, submarine, what have you, right? So they have more abilities to do more stuff, uh, practices versus a regular general duty corpsman like myself. So that's the difference between an IDC and an FMF. FMF, we still got to do a lot. You know, I got to assist with an appendix, 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 I got to remove an appendix, appendix. So that was actually kind of, kind of cool. Um, you know, I got to always help out at the shock trauma hospitals and do what I can to learn stuff. And some of the doctors there for, were from civilian uh, world and they were from big city hospitals. So they're teaching us like, hey, this is how we deal with trash, gunshots. This is how we deal with stabbing. So I got to learn a lot at a very young age and that, that, that kept that, that urge to keep learning more and stay in the field much longer. I loved it. So like, I wish I could go like really in depth with you guys, but like, for the sake of time, like, I just want to hit a couple of quick things and maybe if you guys are into it, we could come back and do this again. But, uh, I want to ask, can we talk about, let's start kind of low and then we'll pick it back up. But can you talk about some of the hardest things you had to overcome while in the military and what you did to overcome them? The hardest, you said the hardest things. Yeah. yeah. I think just being away from family. Yeah. Um, and just being away, you know, from everyone I know. I mean, it helped making friends on the ship and all that. But then you get those moments when you, you know, you just think about your friends and family that get home. I mean, most of my friends went to the Navy or military. Um, but, you know, other people like friends um, that you don't really speak to. Well, I don't really speak to them anymore, but, you know, <laughs> just you guys. And just, and especially when I was out, you know, on deployment, um, just being in a different country that kind of just, for some, some parts, I just felt like lonely. Like I'm like, well, I'm all the way out here. I wish I had, you know, I could share this with people, you know. I think for me, like some, one of the hardest things that I had to overcome was the, uh, when I was got, when I got deployed to uh, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, I took army orders. And I was working the detention facilities. And man, that was the most mentally uh, challenging assignment that I've ever done in my entire life. It was mentally exhausting. It wasn't physically hard. It was mentally exhausted. And like, I actually didn't overcome it like the best way. Like I turned to alcohol and I started abusing alcohol like very heavily. It just, it took a long time to overcome that. The way I did it was like I had I just had to had to had to be honest with myself to what I was doing to myself at that time. But like uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like um you know we just we go through a lot in the military and I think that I think I, I'm I'm grateful for like the people that I had around me at the time because like for the most obviously I came out I turned out all right I turned out good nothing seriously happened to me but I was I was definitely affected. And I think the, the the mental aspect of the military, I think, is probably the most challenging for most people. And so, like, um, being able to reconnect, and that's kind of why the reason why I do this stuff, type of stuff now, because like we 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 created these awesome dope bonds with the people around us, 
And so like, I kind of want to reach back out to you because like we started off as like really great friends and then we hella got separated along the way, but you know, we've been through some similar, similar stuff just at our own distances and paces. So like, that's why I'm asking these things. Cause I'm just curious about like your, your guys's military experience being childhood friends and all, uh, how about you, Fabian, what were some of your, uh, most challenging things that you had to overcome? Acceptance, man. Acceptance every step of the way. You know, you guys know me. I've been kind of on the bigger sides all my all my whole life. Yeah. And then to go get attached to the Marine Corps was the hardest thing to do. Not physically. I was able to keep up with these guys, but but the perception that I would not be able to take care of them was hard to get Scary. over. Scary. You know, I had to not only run like them, move like them, shoot like them, talk like them. I had to do that plus my stuff. Yeah. When these guys are doing eight mile hikes, when they get to take a break and drink water, I'm I'm going around the whole up and down the ranks, making sure everybody's good. You know, I'm going all the way to the front and the back and front and back. So I'm doing more marches than these guys. So from the very beginning, I knew I had to constantly prove myself every time we do anything because you know, in the Marine Corps, it was very rough. You know, you talk about racing, but there's a bunch of other stuff that goes along with it. The perception, you know, thinking that you're not good enough and they will let you know you're not good. Enough. Something I constantly had to fight and overcome to prove to my, prove to them that I'm, I'm not, not just uh, equal, but sometimes better than you guys. And I, I, it would weigh on me sometimes. So I would get really frustrated because it was sometimes there was no acceptance. Uh, but you know, when you got a right crew, right to the point or platoon or company, it made a big difference, but you know, if one or two of your, your guys just didn't believe in you, it made it hard, especially. That's crazy. But, um, can you talk about like, once you do get accepted, especially by the Marines, like they fucking love you, don't they? Yeah, very much. You know, and like I, like I said, I had, to, I had to do more than they would expect. So if somebody, one of the Marines was going down, like they're having a hard time, I pick, pick up their pack and carry it. Yeah. Just and so that guy could take a break. So I could, and then still do my stuff. So the other guys could see like, hey, this guy's keeping up and he's doing more. You know, any little procession that would get me over it. But yeah, you're right. Anytime I would go out to dinner, we go out to dinner, we go out to drink. These guys always took care of me. I never had to pay for any drinks <laughs> or any meals. You know, Doc, Doc gets taken care of us, you know. Um, I remember one time we were at the bar. Yeah, we were in downtown San Diego or this ocean. I can't remember now. And we were in a club. It was loud. Everybody was drinking. And someone bumped me. They bumped into me. And they, I looked at the guy. Kind of gave him a look. Like, really? And he's like, he's, what did he say? He's like, wrong. Dude, this is the wrong place for, for a wetback. All the guys had this term. What? All I saw was hands just grabbing my shoulders. These guys threw me back. They started going to town on this guy. They're like, "No, not you don't talk to Doc like that." So, yeah, it's 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 a really cool feeling to know that you're always taken care of once you're accepted. And to this day, you know, if I go to the bar, like I did, uh, if anytime you go to like um, uh, you know Memorial, uh, Veterans Day when you go to like the Applebee's for all your free meals, or whatever, you find out. They find out you're a corpsman and then you find out of the Marines. It's like, you guys know each other from the very beginning. You guys always been to like, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, where the automatic bond is, is really, really cool. 
yeah, that, that's always been stuff I loved. How, how often do you hear Doc these days? Not as much as I used to. <laughs> you know, and that was my name for such a long time. Even when I got into my civilian world, that's, you know, that was my name too. You know, <laughs> I, I do miss being called Doc. And I could bet, like, I called even the IDCs, they're all Docs to me. So go ask the question again. Uh, what were some of the hardest things you had to overcome? Okay. I mean, um, I got one. I got one ready for you. Okay. What is it? Um, talk to talk to me about deploying and leaving your children behind as a okay, mother so, in the vet. So that, the, that was that's one of the hardest ones, right? Yeah. Um, that one, that one was tough because you're not not only like deploying but when i was active duty and you know with the kids it's it's tough you know you early mornings late days and here you are driving your kids you know uh poor things getting up at five o'clock in the morning because they're getting dropped off but i mean that's um but yeah you deploying that one's tough because your kids have to be really resilient and you have to have that support system yeah if you don't have that support system, you know, your kids, uh, they're going to have a hard time when you're gone. So it's very important to have that support system. I was very thankful for my friends that they pulled off, you know, pulled together and they would, you know, take the girls out, do girls day, you know, cause mom was gone, but yet, you know, you're all my female friends, you know, getting together and, you know, they still had that, at least they would take them out with their kids and, and have that mom bond even when I was away. Um, so I'm thankful for that. But yeah, that's the, the toughest part is, you know, how do you, um, how do you, how do you get to fill in that parent void when you're gone? And uh, uh, I was able to send like videos with me reading to them. Um, so that helped, you know, phone calls, video chats every now and then. Um, but yeah, it's deploying when you're a, when you're a parent, that's, that's tough. Whether you're a mom or a dad, it's just tough. And that that was back in the days before, like we had Zoom and, and stuff. You're probably yeah. That probably, so that's probably back in the days of uh, what are those um, those phone cards? Do, do you guys use the shit out of those phone cards back in the day? Yeah, MWR I used to give them out, so I was thankful for that. And they they had a video uh video camera set up, so you know you could go in there, read to your kids, and they would send the the CD's home, you know, and that's how the kids got it. <laughs> now it's like Zoom and, you know, FaceTime and it's so much easier to stay connected. Um, I wanted to ask this at the beginning, um, but how much does your family know about your military history and your military career? What was the question again? Uh, how much does your family know about like your mil military history or your military career? Nothing at all. They, uh, I don't think they, they they know nothing what I did. Um, I think I think it's because they don't really they don't really they don't know what to ask. Yeah, they don't know what to ask. Um, I mean, they went to my boot camp graduation, but that's pretty much it. They never saw my ship. Uh, they never um, they, they never went to um, the East Coast. So they're just going based off. I mean, the phone calls I call. I mean, when I whenever I talk to them, I went at home. Um, and what you told them? Yeah, what I told them. Um, and we didn't really have any picture. I mean, we didn't take many pictures because I mean, cameras weren't that. We didn't have cell phone cameras or anything like that <laughs> at that time. So 
they didn't really know what I did at all. I would just say I do radar, and they'd be like, "Okay, cool, <laughs> cool, bro, cool story." <laughs> uh, you know what? I really didn't tell them too much. Yeah, to tell yeah just because it would worry them, like the stuff I really had to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. They knew I was a medic. They knew I was attached to the Marines. They knew that I may had to go out, out of the wire for them for all intents and purposes. I told them I never did, you know, but I, I did a lot. I, I did a lot of missions. Um, yeah, I got very lucky three times and yeah, I should have been here. Uh, so, yeah, you know, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. And, yeah. And my parents, you know, I, they would not have been able to handle any of that so the fact that they always thought i was behind in the in the fob that's all they needed to know and that's all i told them and then i totally get that and i just just to you know let you guys know i just ask these questions because like like understand that like parents don't know what to ask that they, they don't know what it's about or like in your case Fabian, sometimes it's better not to know but at the same time like you guys all did some important shit that people should know you know what i'm saying like because you're you're not just regular people you guys did something important you guys did stuff that's brave and and it shouldn't be hidden and i I, i'd like our families to be able to know like that we did do some stuff um how about you margarita how much does your family know about your military career they don't really know too much you know it's it's really hard to kind of explain you know what it is that we do yeah um especially if they don't have that that background to relate it to uh so it's it's really tough to share kind of like you know things that i do with places i go um what i i do now that my kids are a little bit older now you know there's there's things that i do share with them like oh you know you know, these are some of the cool things that I do, obviously, you know, lim- limited information, but at least now they, they get an idea of, you know, some of the things that I do. And because I've been doing it for a while, they see it, you know, they're like, oh, you know, mom always gets a call. Well, why is mom always getting a call? Well, mom, you know, is the first sergeant. So, you know, it's like they're, so they're, you, they're not, I'm not the only one serving. They're serving along with me because yeah. they see it, they hear it, you know? When I have to go to training, sometimes I take them with me, you know, if I, if I, if I can take them with me. And so, you know, some at my unit, they know, they know who I work with. They know my soldiers, you know, so they, they know the faces. So I think now that they're getting older, they're my kid. at least my kids are more involved in, in my military uh, service. That's awesome. And uh, like, uh, and as far as for me, like I, I have a very technical background and I have a Spanish speaking mom. So like. Like, I can't, I can't tell her shit about my, what I did in the Navy. Like, I don't even know the words to tell her. Let's go, let's do a 180. And AJ, tell me some of the proudest moments you had in the Navy, in your Navy career. Proudest. Um, I think, oh, I think when I got my ESWAS, um, the surface warfare pin, uh, cause that, I, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't hard to get, but it was just, it just took a lot of time and effort you, to do. You didn't have to get it, but yeah, I didn't out, out of your it. way to uh, get it. Yeah, I, I really wanted it because it was kind of like a, a, a milestone one um, that I wanted to get before I got out. 
Um, and uh, what else? Proudest moment. I think. I think I think that's just one of the biggest ones. Just <laughs> getting that pin. <laughs> You're a surface Navy guy. There's like a lot of like deep traditions in the Navy. Did you do any like crossing the equator or stuff like that? Yeah, I crossed the equator and the Arctic. Um, oh, that that wasn't fun. The Arctic <laughs> one that was not fun at all. They spray you with cold water. Yeah, <laughs> I think my heart stopped <laughs> when they did that because it's so cold, um, and I don't like the cold. And so I got I forgot what it was oh blue nose that's what I got a blue nose a blue nose and a shell back. Um. Uh, and I mean, I wish I was on the ship longer to, you know, yeah, to do more stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think those three were probably the coolest and proudest moments I had. You also commissioned a United States warship. Oh, yeah, that uh, too. You're, a, you're a plank owner. <laughs> yeah, plank owner. I mean, that's kind of just, I just, that fell in You place. stumbled upon it. Yeah, I stumbled upon it. Hey, Fabian. Uh, really quickly, like I talked to my buddies a lot about boot camp doing this stuff, and he said that in when he was going to boot camp, he went in like 2001, and he said his showers were like, were like there was zero pressure, and <laughs> and um, and I told him that like I felt like our pressure, our water pressure was pretty good, but it was fucking freezing cold. So we never had hot water. I remember that. Okay, I remember, I remember our showers. <laughs> lasted they gave us like 30 seconds to shower but you're only in there for like eight seconds because it was so fucking cold you start on the left you go all the way around the right <laughs> come out they had all the showers on you just keep just walking <laughs> at least that's what i remember but yeah i remember it being freezing for okay. whatever reason but it was just there was only a certain times of the day i think it's because all the other units would be showering at the same time and we would just get the but i remember other times I would have showers. They were like the hottest showers in the world. Like you didn't want to leave. <laughs> but oh, I only remember the cold showers. <laughs> it's just bringing back some memories right now. We'll get back to the topics. But uh, Aro and Margarita, did you guys have the thing where you could only use like two stalls in boot camp and two sinks in boot camp because you had to keep everything else clean? Probably, yeah. But uh, as females, I don't think that worked very long. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember if we had. We probably did, but I yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Like that's how I was like. We had like what, yeah. like eight or a dozen stalls, but we could yeah. only use two of them. And same with the sinks. There's like probably eight or a dozen sinks, but we could only use two of them because yeah. we had to keep the other one spotless. <laughs> Boot camp was dumb. <laughs> we did all that to, so we could get points right so we could be like the top class and we ended up being like one of the like the second to the lowest all that stuff we did was like we weren't that high we weren't that great it was just funny uh, one more boot camp story since i have fabian and i tell a lot of boot camp stories and i i feel like he could co corroborate with me do you remember this one time in boot camp that one kid he was like he was that uh that guy that just always fucks up and then our rdc like took out his cell phone made him dial his mother's phone number and like called him while he was getting beat oh, i vaguely remember this 
I'm trying to remember which guy it was. It was the it was the short, stocky but muscular build RDC, the white guy. He was balding. No, I'm trying to remember who was the guy. It was the black. It was the black kid. That guy, Baltimore. If I remember right, I remember that guy. Yeah, but I feel like he kept fucking up and like he started beating him, and he made all of us like gather around him while he beat him. And then he whipped out his cell phone. It was one of the flip phones. And he dialed his mom's phone number and called him. Called his mom while he was getting beat. Telling his, like, asking his mom why his son was a fuck up. It was, like, the most the wildest <laughs> shit I've ever seen. <laughs> hey, uh, Fabian, what were some of your, the proudest moments you had in your uh, naval career? Ah, uh, shoot. Yeah. Definitely when I got my Navy hat. I know Aurel and uh, Adam can attest to this. Um, finishing battle stations and switching from the recruit roll cap to the. I talk Navy. about this all the time, but yeah. It was actually, I mean, like, yeah. I, I, boot camp wasn't hard physically by any means. Mentally, it was because, you know, it was our first time being really away from home for such a long time. And you know that getting that ball cap meant like yeah that you're it you're it really you really did something and so i thought that was cool you know a little kid from orange cove you know was supposed to not make it not supposed to you know supposed to work the fields for the rest of his life you know he here he is a sailor now um my second one was getting my uh caduce at fmss getting my shield and caduce i thought that was kind of cool letting me know that hey now now i'm with, I'm with the marines i'm gonna attach to these guys and, um, my third one was when I got my NAM. Uh, and not because, you know, I like personal achievement medals or anything like that. It's not, it's not the medal itself. It was just that I was actually recognized. I didn't put it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody in my command put it in. It was somebody else that recognized my work and my ethic. And, uh, and actually, I actually got awarded. That was, to me, that was the coolest thing. You know, I always believed in that integrity, you know, always doing the right thing and doing work and, I never expected anything. And so when I got that, it, was, it didn't make my command very happy because they didn't care for me again, acceptance. And so that kind of, you know, I love, I, I cherish that word just because of, hey, look, I am better than what you thought. And uh, I just want to um, explain a couple of things just because it is our, we're running up on 20 years since we've been, since we first joined and we're, we're we're getting, or we're in our 20 year high school reunion. So I just want to explain a couple of things for if any civilians just happen to be listening, uh, starting with the Navy ball cap in Navy boot camp, And after we do battle stations and before prior to graduation, uh, battle station signifies that we completed boot camp. prior to the graduation ceremony, they pull the division into this room and, uh, throughout boot camp, we're wearing ball caps that say recruit on it. And in this room, we take off the recruit ball cap and we put on a ball cap that says Navy, signifying that, you know, we passed boot camp. We're now Navy sailors. And it's also the first time where, like, we interact with our drill instructors, our RDCs as humans. Like, (laughs) they walk in, we line up in formation and they shake everyone's hand and they tell you what, you know, they're proud of you and stuff. And it, it was a fucking emotional time for me as well. Like, I. Yeah. I was I got super teary eyed as well. Do you still have your ball caps? I think so. I, I think they're at my mother's house. 
I got both still. <laughs> um, Fabian, can you explain your your um? I'm I'm assuming it was your FMF pin. Oh yeah, my FMF pin. That was legit too. Like that was my first warfare pin, and you know, um, the Navy guys look at the FMF guys like very differently. At least yeah. that's how that's how I feel like it. Like you know, we got treated like better. I don't know how to explain it. Um, we weren't just some regular sailors. So when people see that FMF pen, it was a big deal. Or the at the before that was the ribbon, you know. Um can you but, just explain the FMF pen for those? Uh yeah, the FMF pen just signifies that you were attached to a Marine Corps unit and you were able to complete their you knew you understand Marine Corps knowledge, understand Marine Corps um uh tactics and abilities and divisions and ranks and structures and this couple other little gambits that I've just it's escaping me right now. But um when it's all said and done that they list everybody know that you know the ins and outs of the Marine Corps and that you were attached to these Marines and you did something with them. So it was a big it was a big deal. Big deal. And then on that note and uh Arl you you talked about getting your East Wasp pin and that's uh it's along the same lines. Uh, I got mine as well. And that was one of my proudest accomplishments as well. That's the enlisted surface warfare pin. And it just signifies that like, you know, you're, you're knowledgeable on all areas of whatever warship you're, you're serving on. And that's all the departments, combat system, weapons, engineering, administration. And if I could generalize it really good, it'd be like, if you, you'd be able to give a tour of a warship, if, if you needed to, that's what the East Wasp Warfare pins. It doesn't make any less prestigious. It was still a ton of work to get it. And that's one of my proudest accomplishments as well. Um, and then I think your last thing, Fabian, was your Navy Achievement Medal is what you're talking about. It's just one of the uh, one of the higher awards that you can get in the Navy. Um, yeah. Uh, Mar Margarita. What were some of your proudest accomplishments in your Army career? Um, one of them is uh, when I was promoted to Master Sergeant. Um, so this is, as an E7, you, you enter the senior ranks. But I think as a Master Sergeant, I mean, you're, you're, you're there, you know. You're one step away from, from Sergeant Major. Um, being female, being minority, um, and to get there, I felt like it was a, a big accomplishment because a lot of women join the military, but not many stay, you know, are lifers. Not many, you know, retire. Some do a couple, you know, a couple of enlistments, but that's it. And then they, you know, for whatever reasons, they, they don't continue on. So to get to that point, you know, um, to where I, I joined the senior ranks uh, as a female minority, um, short female minority. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, when I was pinned my my master sergeant rank, um, I I was very proud. You know, I was I, I never thought that I would you know get there. Like Fabian said, from small town Orange Cove where your life could have taken so many different directions, you know, getting caught up and dropping out, you know, jail, gang banging activities, you know, it's just, 
you know, there's just so many different directions that my life could have taken me. Um, but here I am, you know, I getting pinned a uh, master sergeant. And I think that was, uh, that was a big proud moment for me. Um, yeah. And I, I still remember it. So the other one, um, being first sergeant, being first sergeant and, uh, but finishing that, 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 uh, that term as a first sergeant and getting that feedback from your soldiers saying, you know what, thank you, because you, you know, they acknowledge the hard work and, um, you, you see the labor, you know, the fruits of your labor, you know, you, you're there for your soldiers and they really see you as, you know, as your, your leader and, um, being acknowledged and, you know, getting calls like, Hey, thank you for everything you did. You know, we appreciate you, you know, um, I think that was, that was a big proud moment for me is the service that I was able to provide, um, as a first sergeant. So yeah, those are my two big highlights and I'm crossing my hands, uh, my fingers because my next goal is Sergeant Major. (laughs) Yeah. So that if I get there, when I get there, that'll be number three. And we're all like super proud of you too, Margaret. We're like happy for your success and it's, uh, International Women's Day, so like, <laughs> like it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we just oh, want to say you. that you're a badass, and uh, and uh, we're super proud of you. Yeah. Thank you. Hey uh, guys, uh, thanks for uh, you know, sticking around so late. But and uh, I just want to wrap things up. But I just want to talk about uh, transitioning away from the military, and for you, Margarita, your decision to keep reenlisting this long, starting with. <laughs> Starting with you, AJ. Is that nothing you want to talk about, Fabian? No. <laughs> no starting with you, AJ. What was your what? Uh, what came to your decision to leave the uh, the military? Um, I think the well, the biggest was decision to to leave the navy was because like I I wasn't really interested in my career choice. I mm-hmm. guess the radars. I felt like I wasn't going anywhere with that, and um, um, I, I felt like I didn't want to do that for the next, you know, for a, like a career choice. Yeah, and so I decided just to go. I wanted to pursue a, a college education, so I decided to get out and use the GI Bill to do that. Um, but yeah. Uh, how about yourself, Fabian? Uh, well, I, I joined. Hey, <laughs> I was on active duty and I was reserves. Yeah, I got active duty because I was burnt out. I went that do back to back tours in Iraq. You know, I lost my wife. My career was kind of winding down. Uh, there was no bonus. I couldn't get anything other than going back to Iraq again because they always needed more corpsmen, and I, I was burnt. I was burnt out. I was done. I got out. Got off active duty. I was out for six months, five, six months. And I get a phone call. Navy reserves calling me. Hey, uh, this is you know, petty officer. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So like, you're just going to the reserves. No, I'm done. I'm anything military related. I'm over it. Well, here's the thing. Your name is slated for uh, involuntary recall. So, uh, you, you could either join us and get $20,000 or, your name's going to be stay on this list, and you might get involuntary recall in the next month or two. And that says about 2005, 2006. 
So there was a lot of that going on. It's like, God dang it. We were still, we were at what? We were at OEF four, at this time? Six, something like that. Three, four. By the way, OEF four, five, somewhere around there. So it was, it was still pretty hot and heavy. Afghanistan was still going on. No, yep, no, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. And it was just, man, you're like, man, what do I do? It's like, I was done. I fuck, you know what? All right, fine. What's it going to hurt to join the reserves? Two, a weekend, a month, two weeks a year, no big deal. As soon as they sign their papers, active, active reserves, welcome to board. <laughs> They're deployed to Iraq. Here we go. <laughs> so we did one whole year of buildup, and I, you know, it's actually kind of good. I needed that closure because I got to see Iraq from the very worst, and I got to see a transition to like where they're on yeah. their own, running their own military. And then my last tour was, was much more quieter. And I was more of like a, a mentor role, which was kind of cool. I was like one of three of the whole 700 that had deployed prior with combat experience. So it, it was good for me. I needed that. Um, and I, I, I was done. After that, I was like, no more. I'm done. I don't want. You know, I was okay with it. I, I, I stepped out. I stepped out. Uh, 100%. Out. Like, you can't argue with that decision. But, and then you're absolutely correct because. I went IA in 2010, and the reason we were going IA was because the army was so fucking swamped at that point. Exactly, we were taking army orders just to like ease some of the pressure off of off of them. You're lucky you didn't do customs because I think that's what they were gonna recall before was customs. <laughs> My buddy did customs. I don't know, like fucking the detention facilities. Was, what went into your decision to stay? and continue re-enlisting? Um, I don't think that... I, I still have more to give. Yep. I don't see my career, you know, stopping right now. I'm Like I said, it's 20 years, but I said I would give myself 25, 25 years and then reevaluate and see, you know, where my career is going at that time. You have and nothing better to do, huh? Yeah, if I still have it, you know, and I mean, I have my civilian job, but... Um, you know, by that time, my kids are going to be grown out of the house. Why not? Maybe I'll, you know, go full 30. But uh, I'm going to reassess at 25. But right now, I'm not done yet. So I still have more to give. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, like a lot of uh, my friends are getting out this year right at 20 because, like, they're either burnt out. But the ones that could do it, they stick around for, like, 25, 26, 28 years. So, like. You're either burnt out and you get out right at 20 or you just stick around until the military doesn't want you anymore. There's, there's been, I, I would say three times in my military career, military career where I have, I have reached burnout stage and I have to take a step back and then reassess like, you know, is this still something that I want to do? And uh, I've been lucky to get back on, you know, back on track, but yeah, it happens. You do, you do burn out real quick. AJ, how has your uh, transition back into the civilian world been? It's been what? I got out 2008. So it's been about 12 years. 12 years. 14, uh, something. Yeah. I mean, it's been good. Um, I had a rough first year getting back because um, I was trying, like, I was so used to military life. And transitioning to civilian life was kind of like, I don't know, it was different. Um, and I went straight to college right after that. So it was just like from military lifestyle to uh, 
college party life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we still party in the, the Navy, but like, um, what being with kids, you know, like I, I came in as 24 and these like 17, 18 year olds, um, it was a big adjustment. Um, but I transitioned quick. Uh, like after a year, I started getting used to the college life and, um, and I never, never really thought much about military life after that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I rolled out at 10 and I, I got out because uh, I couldn't renegotiate for orders. You know, I'm not taking orders just because the military wants me to take orders. Like it was a negotiation process to me and we just couldn't come to terms. But like I was fortunate enough that I stayed in a technical field. But man, like getting used to working with civilians was rough for me. Like it's crazy, like the discipline and the and the structure the the military instills in you that working with civilians is it's rough at times. They don't want to work. It's weird. They don't want to work, and then they complain about their paycheck. So, <laughs> uh, how about you, Fabian? I, I had it pretty rough when I got out because you know I had a really structured career, um, very regimented, and. You know, when I got out, I, I was married. Before that, I was married, had a had an apartment. You know, I had my own life, and then I got out. I didn't have any of that. Then I, I barely had enough money when I got out. So then I had to force. You know, that basically got had to move in with my parents, which was harder because I feel like it was a regression, right? Yeah. So I'm, and then dealing with PTSD on top of that. Yeah. And then trying to control my anger and rage and not knowing why I'm upset all the time and trying to tell my parents like um but for me what went in the palping by accident is I got I got to work at a YMCA camp where I got to become a camp director. Yeah and <laughs> it was like major pain like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um and you know working with those kids, especially with troubled youth helped a lot. And I uh I realized that was my calling was teaching some sort of fashion. Yeah. Your mentor. I loved it. I really did. And, you know, that really helped me more than anything else in the world. And I didn't, I've done medication. I've done um, sessions with psychologists and all that stuff, but nothing compared to working with kids and working in the, the mountains with fresh air and lake and away from all um, media and anything, you know, they helped me out the most. And I met some really great people there. <clears throat> I'm still good friends with all of them. And that was a good basis for me to get into a civilian world. I did. I tried to do the thing with RL. Like he said, he, he went to school and I felt like Billy, Billy Madison. I just did not fit in college whatsoever. I felt like these kids were just driving up the wall. You know, I was like, no, I did a semester. And I was like, this is not for me. Um, so working with the fire department, Orange Cove helped me a lot too. They gave me the basis for my career, and and I slowly transitioned away from the military. I still keep a lot of that regimented structure, but uh, uh, you know that's that's then, and this is now. I'm very fortunate. I had all those uh, uh, experience, so I could bring it to the my current career, which has uh, helped me a lot. No, I'm. I'm... I made that decision in high school that like college was not for me and I've never not I never even attempted. Like I'm just I've just been <laughs> plugging away. Like I'm 
gonna get through this life without higher education and i've been doing it so far so <laughs> if you could give people and this is specifically to veterans like when they're reaching that point where they got to decide if they're going to stay in or they're going to get out is there any like advice that you could offer to people at that point of their life i think uh you want to start thinking about it right maybe at eight years you know eight years whether you you want to uh continue and make this a career and how that's going to fit into your life um but if you are going to make it a career you know go past your 20 or do your 20 um set yourself up for civilian life afterwards you know set your goals and work on them while you're in the military um so that way when you when you do transition out it's it's just that much easier you know it's a little bit different now like i was telling you earlier um the retirement system, it has changed since we first enlisted. You know, when we first enlisted, it was like 20 years, you know, you're eligible for retirement. Um, and where now it's, it, you get a percentage of your retirement. So yeah. it's a little different now. Um, you can make that decision based on, you know, what your goals are. But um, yeah, I think at, at eight years, you really want to think about because once you hit your 10 you either you're either in or you're out you know and it's it's you're halfway you know so i think that's a very important uh, decision point where you you know you either continue or you you know or you don't um but whatever it is you do take advantage of what you know this the service has to offer um so that way when you do uh, you know get out of the military uh, you you take advantage of those um, services and that you know you set yourself up for for civilian life. That's um, that eight years is probably spot on. Like I, you know, I get with my friends and I you know I tell them I got out of ten and I was like, man, you sh you should have just stuck it out. And then uh, uh, number the second thing I wanted to add is like I know I talk about like I didn't want to go to college, but that's just my decision. But also I like to throw out that there's trade schools that you got uh, that kids could go to that are fucking you'll make very good money and you'll learn valuable skills and you'll get paid while you're you're learning to be an electrician or a carpenter i was like if if you're like me and you know college is your thing and the military is definitely not for everybody look into trade schools i highly recommend trade schools L last thing i want to ask you guys before i cut you guys loose is um I'm probably going to push this out to our graduating class. You know, like I said, it's our 20 year graduation and uh, our, they're the, our classmates, kids are, are reaching that pivotal moment in their life where they got to make that big decision. Could you say any positive things about the military? Would you recommend the military? I actually get that a lot because I work at a school district oh. and I work at the colleges. And so people ask me about it and I tell them, um do your research first um don't just join um uh if if and then i don't know just do 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 your research on it uh if you really want to go to college go to college if you want to go in the military go to the military if you want to do trade school go to trade school um it's whatever you you have a passion for um but don't just don't do just something just because 
you don't have a plan or um, you don't have anywhere else, anything else to do. Um, and I always, I always tell kids, like, just, I don't try to deter them from going to the military. Um, I just say, just, just look into it. Um, make sure you talk to a lot of people uh, in the, like, talk, talk to people in the military, talk to people outside the military. Uh, and then, and the same thing with college. If you're doing college, just make sure you, uh, you know what you're doing. Because when I went, when I left the military, I already knew what major I wanted to do. I did the research. Um, so if you're going to college, know what you want to do. Don't waste time. Don't waste your money. Um, have a plan, basically, before you do anything. Uh, when I teach high school, and I'm teaching my class, and that subject always comes up, I always tell them, and, you know, kind of like what you were saying, Adam, I haven't, I've never, after that semester, I've never went back to college. And, you know, I hear more and more how people are just in debt constantly. You know, I have GI Bill. I have no excuse not to go. Yeah. You know, she still has seventy, eighty thousand $80,000 in debt from college, you know. And I always try to remind these kids, I'm like, college is not the only option. You got trade schools, you got the military. Um, I recommend the military. The military is always going to be what you make it. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have a bad attitude, it's going to be a miserable time. You got to understand that there's a game to play. You play the game, and you'll you'll be fine. Get what you need out of it. You want to do? You want to be a lifer? Be a lifer. If you want, you want some money for college. You want to you want a technical skill or some type of vocation to go after it. And that's what I tell them. You know. Um, and then now, uh, Prior Rail could tell us to attest to this as well. Working at the school districts, they're starting to really push trade schools now. Versus just college, and I think one of the things you're going to probably see in the next few years is they'll probably have to have a trade before they graduate, so that they have to fall back on with college as well, which would be smart. Yeah, <laughs> trade schools. I mean, that's my plug is trade schools. But I'm just gonna say, uh, just the last thing. I, I work for Valley ROP, and I teach fire science technology. So we teach CBR first aid, uh, fire how to be firefighters, how to be EMTs. But that program also does culinary, does the uh, med, uh, nursing, does FFA uh, drone school. You'd be a pilot, get your pilot's oh, license. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you could do all kinds of stuff now compared to when we had high school. So, I mean, these kids should really take advantage of it. Sorry, that was my last thing. Appreciate it. Now, Margarita, you do have kids coming up to that age. So, like, uh, if you say bad stuff about the military, I'll just edit it out. But <laughs> 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 what do you got for us? Well, my, my oldest is actually, you know, she, she's brought up the idea of joining the Air Force. And, um, you know, it's just like you said, you know, if it's something that she wants to do, um, she should do the research, you know, uh, decide when she does get to the point if she's going to go in. Um, what I tell her is be selective about her, her occupation, her military, military occupation and uh, what it's going to do for her future you know does it is it going to pay back um uh is it gonna you know can she transfer it over terry um also i've i've talked to her about rtc programs and going to college and then possibly going commission oh, you know yeah. that's another possibility is going commission do the do rtc um 
And then once, once, if you do decide to go to the military, um, you drive your career. You really have to take accountability of your career. Um, because if you, if you wait around for somebody to tell you, you know, put in for your promotions or, you know, uh, enroll into these courses or, you know, you have to do this class for your career, you're going to be sitting around waiting because not everybody's going to hold your hand. So you really have to be driving your career if you are going to join the military. Um, yeah, that's what I, that's what I would tell them. It's not a, it's not a bad choice, you know, trade school. My daughter talks about trade school too. She's, uh, um, she's actually brought it up quite a bit, um, that it's, you know, she puts more emphasis on that. She's doing welding now. And so that's, that's mm. something that she may be interested in. Yeah. She's doing welding and she's pretty good at it. So good. we'll see. I mean, that's something that she can even, you know, go into the military and do something with that. I, w- I was just talking to a welding uh, instructor today, right before I got here, and interviewing about trade schools for welding. And so I'm promoting that program, which is kind of a coincidence. Uh, I'm pro- promoting a welding program for the school district. So. Awesome. I recommend low voltage elect- um, electrician, but that's just me. <laughs> Last thing I want to plug is like, um, I don't do a lot of mental health stuff just because I'm not qualified in the, the least bit. But also, I do want to mention, like, look out after yourself and look out after your your shipmates and your fellow uh, brothers in arms. Um, this this podcasting journey that I've been on is is really helping me keep in touch with all my old friends and like. I look forward to staying in touch with you guys. And I just want you guys to know that like, if you guys ever need to talk about anything offline, like I'm always here for you guys. I, I care about you guys. I'm always rooting for you guys a success. And, um, and I just want you guys to be happy mentally. And if I could help you guys out in any way, please, please uh, reach out to me. If you're, if you're a veteran or active duty, I'm sure uh, all three of these veterans We'll be willing to uh, listen to you if you need somebody to talk to you if you're going through some hard times or whatnot. So um, look out after your mental health. Um, thank you guys for joining me. Um, I really do appreciate it, and I really did miss you guys a lot. And I'm I'm glad you guys were able to join me today tonight. And uh, hopefully we could carry on this discussion further. Um, unless you guys have anything else to say, say bye everybody and uh, stick around for a quick debrief. Thank you, Adam, for having us. Thanks for doing it.